Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. This is one of the more serious segments because we're talking about something that's invisible, that's impacting all of civilization, and it's called dirty electricity. We're interviewing Dr. Samuel Milham, the author of the book, Dirty Electricity, Electrification and the Diseases of Civilization. And I want to tell you something about him. You better listen very, very carefully because not only is he an MD, he's been in obstetrics, he's been in pediatrics, he's worked in emergency rooms, he's worked for departments of public health, both in Hawaii and Washington State. He's looked at occupational hazards and studies. He's looked at so many of the diseases of our modern civilization, like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, why suicide rates have gone up so much. And there's something that we need to know that's invisible to us, that we take for granted, and it's about how electricity works, how long the electric companies have known that there are problems with dirty electricity, how it manifests itself, including us environmental advocates and greenies. We need to know about the dark side of solar and wind that we don't want to look at because it's inconvenient. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Samuel Milham to It's Rainmaking Time. Good morning. Morning. I would not want to be you sitting with your information and experience. That's all I can tell you. That would be very sad every day to be you, to know what you know. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, it's not so much sad. It's uh, it's frust- frustration more than anything. Uh, it, uh, the, the work is just so exciting and, and so interesting, and it takes so many unexpected turns, and we keep learning uh, you know, new new stuff every day. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not so much sadness. Uh, I'm just disappointed in my peers and in the public health system and in the people who should know better and who should take action on this and who aren't because it costs money and uh, kind of the way our government is here uh, in this country. I guess other places too, there's corruption, money talks, and uh, that's how it goes. I think we need to establish the first frame of reference about how high-frequency transients work, how the grid works, what is happening to the electricity, and what is it that's invisible to us that we need to know? Fill us okay. in. Electricity as we know it, and the distribution system was developed by Edison starting in 1892 uh, at, at the Pearl Street Station in New York City. He had nine big generators uh, called Jumbo, one of which survives in the, the Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. I hope to someday go and examine that one. But anyway, his, the Edison archives, uh, which are available online, uh, he, he describes uh, terrible problems with brush arcing <clears throat> in his generators, and they were wearing out the commutators. Uh, the brushes uh, brushes are the point of contact in the motor where uh, electricity is either generated or picked up in a motor. Motors and generators are essentially the same device. In one case, you turn a shaft and get electricity out of it, and the other one, you put electricity in that turns a shaft. But the generators... Uh, he had this brush arcing problem, and brushes are named brushes because they look like brushes. They're stiff copper wires <clears throat> bound at the top, and that electricity uh, was picked up from from the point of contact, which is a commutator, and the commutator's uh, on on the end of the the motor shaft, and it's got uh, a number of segments, each connected to wires, uh, because it's electromagnetism that makes it spin. Well, he had brush arcing, which is a big problem because it was wearing out his commutators. And But uh, arcing, 
you know, the electric arc, you know, you've, everybody's seen an arc uh, spark, arcing and sparking. Or, or, every time it happens, you get a, uh, it generates high-frequency voltage transients. You, know, you can hear arcing uh, with a radio you're, when you're driving a car along and, and lightning comes through the sky. On AM, you hear a big uh, beep. And uh, so arcing and sparking are a major way of, of, uh, of generating these high-frequency voltage transients uh, and harmonics, which are, which are called electrical pollution. His DC system had, so every time his brushes jumped across the commutator segment, he was getting this, this arc. So you, I can assume that uh, from the very beginning with his DC system and later with the AC systems, uh, he was he was making generating dirty, dirty electricity without knowing it. And later on, with the AC systems, uh, the other major way that uh, that you generate these these high frequency transients are are uh, the electric junk that uh, that that we use in our houses, our computers, and all all our devices. They basically operate on direct current and and. Uh, all transmitters like cell towers operate on direct current. Uh, smart meters operate on direct current. You can't buy it from the utility, so you make it using a device called a switching power supply. What it does is it takes the AC and changes it to DC. Like in a cell tower, this is uh, d done to, to power the transmitter, of course, but also to charge the backup batteries that, that are there for when the grid goes down. Now, uh, you can hear hear this uh, this pollution with a, a simple AM radio turn, turned off station. If you put it uh, near your microwave or your your computer or your computer keyboard or any other device that's generating this stuff, you can hear it hear it on the AM radio. But what you can't hear and what you can't see and feel is that <clears throat> it's riding on the 60 cycle wave that's sine wave that's being delivered to your house that you pay for by the utilities. And it wasn't too bad until the 40s or 30s. Well, when computers first came out, what happened is this house fire started happening. And, and this is because the dirty electricity generated by the computers and other devices, uh, the high frequencies don't like to run on wires as well as the low frequencies, the 60 cycles of low frequency. We're talking about the devices that generate frequencies up in the tens and hundreds of thousands or millions of cycles a second. And, and uh, so the house fires were happening because there's a skin effect. The wire, the, the high voltages run on the outside of the skin of the wire. And so you need a bigger wire, a thicker wire, with more capacity to carry the high-frequency high uh, pollution or transients than, than low-frequency so, the, but then when the utilities solved this problem, the, their their think tank, the Electric Power Research Institute, which is funded by the utilities, recommended to solve this problem. Well, two things they had to do: they changed the building codes to require thicker wires for the return system in your house. See, all the electricity that comes out of the grid from the the, the generating stations to the transformers that comes to your house has to go back. And it goes back at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second. That's called an electric circuit. So every every bit of electricity that you pay for is returning to the substation. Uh, initially, it was running back in the neutral return wires on, on, the, on the, the power poles. 
and and in your outlet, the, the the two parallel holes that you plug your devices into, oh, that's the hots. That's your electricity comes in. The little round hole underneath it is the the ground or the neutral. Now that's attached at your fuse box to a little green plug, which is attached to uh, a screw, which is attached to the ground rod in your house, and also it goes out to the utility neutral. It goes up through your house out into the wires and into the grid. What the utilities did, and what they should have done, and they were told to by the Electric Power Research Institute, was to add the neutral capacity. In other words, beef up the return current wires on the poles. But instead of doing that, if you go out and look at your local transformers or they, they dump the stuff into the ground because it will run back to the substation through the earth. Now, this whole third electricity business got really um, investigated and discovered by Dave Stutzer and Mar- Mar- Marty Graham because cows were acting like canaries in the coal mine. Farmers were complaining that their their dairy cattle were, were, were not milking properly and giving less, less milk. And Stetzer and... and uh, and, and, and Graham, their genius was to recognize it wasn't the 60 cycle that was a problem. It was the dirty electricity, the high-frequency stuff running through the ground because the utility dumped it into the ground that was caught running through the ground to the, to the milking stalls and shocking the cows and giving them problems. And it gets in our houses through the, through the, the ground wires, and et cetera. So dirty electricity has been around since Edison it started with arcing and sparking, and we made it a whole lot worse with uh, all these devices with switching power supplies like smart meters and computers and, and all the electric junk, like the little cell phone charger. Anything that charges a, a DC device has to have a switching power supply in it. That little black box you stick into the outlet is a switching power supply. So that, in a nutshell, is how it, how it got invented and how it get, get, gets distributed. And the big bugaboo is that the utilities are dumping it into the earth routinely. And uh, How did you find that out, that they're dumping it into the earth? Well, the, the utilities knew it way back when, when they, they found out that the wires were burning because they, were, they couldn't carry the load. So they, what they did is they just dumped the load into the ground. So therefore, they, the same wires... If you, go out, you, you look at the pole-mounted transformer, those gray cans you see on the poles... There's three contacts, if you just get a binocular or if you can get close to it, look at it. The outside two connectors are the hots that deliver the electricity to your house. The center one is the connected to your utility ground and to the neutral. That's the, that, that has got a wire running from it to the earth. And I go out, when I do, do an investigation of this, I put a, a oscilloscope on that wire at the ground, and I run 40 feet of wire to a screwdriver, and I measure what the utility is putting into the ground. And it, it's a lot. It's, and it's high frequency and it's garbage and it shouldn't be there, but it is. And that's what makes cows sick. Now, uh, Stetzer and uh, Hellman have got a paper published within the last year showing that 10 millivolts of this dirty electricity in the ground will, will uh, affect milk production in the cow. And there's a dose-response relationship. The higher the, the, that, that transient measure is the less milk the cow gives. They're, they're trying to quantify it to see how many billions of dollars the utility industry is causing the dairy industry and, and lack of milk production. Unfortunately, that's how it is. I want to go to page 59 in your book, Dirty Electricity. 
And I want to read you something, and I want to confirm something with you in the reading of it. You say, dirty electricity generated by electrical equipment in a building is distributed throughout the entire building via the electric wiring. Dirty electricity generated outside the building can enter a building on electric wiring or through ground rods and conductive plumbing. Over the last 20 years, about 70% of electricity returns to the substation via the earth rather than through the neutral transmission lines. In remote, sparsely populated areas, single-wire earth return systems return all current through the earth. And then you explain when the grid was built, it was designed for all current to return in the neutral wires. The grid just couldn't keep up with the increasing return current loads, so the utilities were allowed to begin using the earth for return currents. And every other power pole in most areas has a wire running down it, connecting the neutral to the ground. Now, I did two pieces, one with Dave Stetzer and one with Dave Stetzer and Dr. Magna Havas. And I will tell you, I was going to do an entire piece on earthing the product. And once I learned this, I couldn't do it. I needed an answer from the founder of earthing what he was going to do to solve this problem because you couldn't obviously plug this product into the walls because you're plugging it into dirty electricity. They were furious with me, and he wrote me a private letter and said, you know, oh, that's Stetzer. He's been after me for 10 years. Women seem to get this better than men, the whole bit. But all these people like Mercola, David Wolf, all these people are touting this product. Now, when I tried it, not even knowing any of this stuff, I was up for two nights at two in the morning as if I took crack and I couldn't sleep. And if people care about customers, why aren't they more interested in this information that there is a potential danger because they're plugging into dirty electricity? If this information is correct, that product is a danger to the marketplace. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I knew this right away, so I I, I, I I was through an intermediary. I never really talked to him specifically, but this woman was shilling for him, and he sent me his product, his earthing blanket, and Stetzer happened to be at my house visiting, and so we put it to the test. We plugged it into the outlet, and we plugged it outdoors, uh, alternatively into the ground with the ground rod that comes with it, and we made measurements of cellscope tracings, and what it was doing was sticking four to five volts of dirty electricity. We got the waveforms, I could show you, you know, they're just horrible. And, and to your body, and I, I got interested in this. I got calls, and I still get calls from people who call me and say, hey, I bought one of these earthing blankets, and God, I get sick, so I just tell them, stop using it, silly. I mean, if it makes you sick, don't use it. But, you know, uh, and I've got the waveforms. I've written, I've, I've written a, uh, a, a definitive analysis of what this puts into your body. It might be great in places where there's no electricity, or walking on the beach, but it's just nonsense. I mean, why on earth would you hook yourself to the utility neutral wire? That's exactly what you're doing. If you plug it into the ground or if you plug it into the, the outlet, it's, it's a, it, you know, hey, look it. You know, some people would say, well, Dr. Milham, you're an MD, you're not an electrician, but you sound like you know a lot about electricity. Hey, look at everything I know I've learned from Stetzer and Graham. <laughs> this stuff isn't it. They don't teach it in medical school, but... Uh, Look, I've done all these measurements. I've got the equipment. I've got a two-channel oscilloscope, a nice fluke. I know how to hook it up. Uh, I, I measure the stuff everywhere, and uh, you know, in outlets, in houses, in the ground, in people. I actually measure myself, wrist to wrist, with a with the EKG patch on my wrist and on my leg. I can show that when I get into these dirty fields, it's not only 
in the wall, it's in the air, and it's in my body, you know. And so we're all, you know, whether we want it or not, we're all subject to this, this business. You know, the concept of earthing is very sexy. Oh, Getting close is. to the earth, of course, for people that love the earth, it's a real draw. But when you get into the fine print of this, when you get into the evidence that the stuff in the ground is making cows terribly ill, a realty people just did a big study of frogs and amphibians and their decline, saying, hey, I, if the stuff's in the ground, these things are wet and they're slimy, they're on the ground all the time. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised that this is contributing to their demise. Uh, and I find it in pristine areas, too, because it goes everywhere. It runs through the earth. Well, what's the answer, then? If this dirty energy is being directed to the earth, what is the answer yeah, well, for the us? The answer is, like Epri told the utilities 25 years ago, don't do it. Beef up the neutral return wires. It did cost a couple billion bucks, but they could do it. That's the first thing to do. The second thing to do is anybody who manufactures a device that, that, generate, that has a switching power supply in it should be forced to add a few cents that it costs to filter the stuff before it, it gets, gets back into the, into the mains. You could do that with computers. You could do it with all the devices that, that make, make it. Is it that complicated to filter it? It's not that complicated at all. That's your markets to filter, to, to filter it after it's in, in the grid, but they could filter it before it gets into the grid. If the device that's, that's putting it, if your computer, for example, is dumping the stuff into the grid, you could fix it so it doesn't dump it into the grid. It's in the manufacturing process. I like that. I do, too. I like that a lot. Now, the first thing is to force the utilities to follow their own think tanks' warning and, and, and to, to beef up the neutrals, to add more, more capacity to the neutral return wires so that you don't get this horrible problem. How come they have the right to do this? Hey, look, at there's no right, there's no wrong. Most of the people who staff utilities, the public utility commissions like in California, they worked for the utilities for their whole careers. So they're all in bed with each other, you know. And, uh, and they, they get, you know, there's no force of law that says they can't do it. And the, the people who do have the force of law, like the FCC, the EPA, and NIH, don't do a damn thing about it. It's killing people. I mean, that's why I wrote the book. It's killing us its citizens. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. No matter what the state of the economy is, there will always be time-honored traditions and special events. The Sterling Hut has been in business since 2008, offering a wide range of fantastic sterling silver products, including finely crafted mint julep cups, personalized baby shower gifts, photo albums, exquisite jewelry boxes and awards, and so much more. The Sterling Hut is an authorized Silver Star international reseller of fine silver products and anniversary gifts. The business is owned by Jewel and Bob Howard. If you would be interested in buying someone a gift of pure sterling silver or sterling plated silver, you can call 1-888-819-1009. Get a 15% discount by going to the Sterling Hut, the Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, Hut, H-U-T, dot com, and saying it's rainmaking time. They will honor a 15% discount for you. Beautiful sterling silver gifts for all of life's occasions. Manufactured in Italy and handcrafted by skilled artisans. They can also be engraved in sterling picture frames, oval and rectangular silver trays, champagne ice buckets, silver goblets, 
coffee and tea service, coffee pots, silver mugs, candelabras, and silver jewelry unrivaled in design and style. Go to the Sterling Hut at sterlinghut.com. And back to the show. I want to talk about your background in epidemiology, which really is about looking at disease causation in populations, correct? Right. And your work in public health. All started for me back in New York State, you know, when you were a little girl or before you were born. I'm in my 80s now, so I go way, way back. I hear you. Probably in the late 50s, early 60s, I did my first occupational study in it really hooked me because I realized if you showed something was occupational, you, you've shown it's preventable by manipulating the environment. So when I got to Washington State after a tour in Hawaii, I, uh, I, I systematically coded all the death records to occupation. The second time it was done in this country, the feds did a, a small thing cutting off at age 65, but I did all, all, all deaths in men age 20 plus to whatever age, and then later I did women. So we generated this huge file of, of, of occupational mortality. And one of the first things that popped up was that electrical workers had more leukemia, lymphoma, and, uh, and a couple other cancers than they should have had. People who worked with electricity, you know, intuitively, like electricians and substation workers. For electrical workers, what should they do to protect themselves? Because they're in the business, so what do they do? they got to recognize, first of all, there's a hazard, and... Distance is the main thing. They can work at a distance, like with a, with a microwave oven, for example. If you stand right in front of it, you're getting zapped. If you're four feet away from it, it's not as bad. But uh, there's, a, there's a few things they can do. They can, they can wear uh, uh, insulated gloves in certain situations so they're not getting contact currents. But, I mean, I don't want to talk about, about them. Uh, that's, you know, like linemen. I mean, they can't avoid being in these strong fields, uh, well, all these occupations have a slight increase of cancer, but no worse than office workers who are exposed to to, to this dirty electricity and mass. I find that office buildings are probably the worst place you can be because of all the computers and the compact fluorescent lights. Hey, there's another bone to pick. Those things shouldn't be on the market. They're dangerous. They make terrible dirty electricity, and they're full of mercury. When they break, they're a haz- they create an environmental hazard. And yet utilities are pushing them, and... Now let's you mentioned solar and wind. There's a huge scam, and those things are, are lethal. They're killing people. And talk about solar and wind because so many of us are so romanticized by it. You know? Yeah, well, you know, this, they're called green energy. I got a little paper I'm writing now called uh, "The Dark Side or the Black Side of Green Energy." Well, uh, this really came as a shock to me. Well, the uh, first thing that happened is people near these wind farms started complaining. Uh, of uh, and what was making them sick if they lived really close was the pressure wave when the when the, van, the propellers go around they make a infrasound a really low frequency sound you can't hear but you feel and people who are fairly close to those things uh, they get sick they get nauseated and have other kinds of symptoms a woman named Nina Pierpont she, she's a physician in the northeast some places written extensively on the the wind turbine syndrome, she calls it. But that's only half the battle. It's not just the sound. These devices, the, the, these, they were burning out early, and they, the, the companies that made them discovered that, uh, that if they ran the, the, the electricity into the earth, they'd last longer. But that's another part of the problem. 
these things generate do, do not generate at grid frequencies. <clears throat> the, they either generate AC or DC, but it's the free, the the rotational frequency of the propeller uh, on the wind turbine is is a function of wind speed. Okay, uh, so what they have to sell to the utility is 60 cycles. So they've got these big switching power supplies, inverters to change. If they're making DC, they change it to AC, and they interrupt the current. They make a they make a, ter- a terrible a lot of dirty electricity. And uh, you get near them, you can pick it up in the air, you can pick it up in the ground, you can pick it up in the wiring. Once it's in the ground, it gets into the wiring. And uh, I've, I've, there's a, a reservation in San Diego County, the Manzanita tribe. The, the Campo Wind Farm has got 20 wind turbines right on the border of their property. Everybody in that reservation is sick. They're so sick that the utility and, uh, and, and, uh, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs are are uh, uh, talking about relocating the tribe so they can use their land for more wind turbines. And, but, you know, I've been there, and I've made these measurements, and uh, <clears throat> and this, I mean, they, they put the cows off their milk in, in the northeast in Minnesota and other places, their wind turbines, the cows stopped milking because of the, the stuff in the ground. And now the solar, <clears throat> that came as a big shock to me, too. Unless uh, <clears throat> I, I was... I measure houses. People complain about being sick. So I, I, I was measuring a house, and I picked up this weird waveform that I hadn't seen before on my oscilloscope. And once I started doing houses, I knew I had solar on them. I kept getting the same waveform. So if you go into a house that's got rooftop solar and the sun's out, you make current. It runs to an inverter. That's usually in the garage or someplace in the house. It's got an on-off switch. So I make dirty electricity measurements in the house with, with Stetzer meter and my oscilloscope. I get the waveforms. I haven't shut the inverter off, and it all goes away. <laughs> that was a, a mind blower. Now, what does and that he, mean? When you shut off the inverter, does that mean that's... The inverter's the problem of, of both of these systems. The industry knows it. I've read white papers by inverter manufacturers talking about ways to try to clean up the inverters. And I've, I found a website. This, guy, this website sells hundred different kinds of inverters and and at the last set, sentence in the, on the website said all photovoltaic inverters cause AM radio interference well that tells you they're all putting out dirty electricity every one of them I've yet to I've, I've measured a hundred of them and I haven't found a clean one yet they say they're pure sine wave inverters that's nonsense they're all dirty they all put out the stuff so I went down to uh, San Diego County and uh, I think El Centro, I don't know wherever that is, near the Mexican border, and uh, measured a bunch of houses. And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd find like 1,500 dirty electricity units throughout the house, and they throw the inverter off, and it's down to 50. So it tells you where it's coming from. Oh, my God. And uh, This is from solar? Solar, yeah. And the only good thing about solar is when the sun goes down, there's no dirt. I mean, but, hey, I've also gone to a big... A 23 megawatt generating station out in the desert there, and two of them actually. And if you find it, then they're inverters. That they they got huge room size inverters. Where the one for the house is that's it's maybe a two foot square. So they've got these huge room size inverters. They got the same thing. You find the dirty electricity there, and their product is dirty. So the stuff that they send to San Diego and to LA is dirty with all this transits that they put in from their inverters. And I mean, which is really bad news. And and uh, I've 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 found it in wires and in houses, 
and in the, the, down, the ground current that's coming down from the transformer, miles and miles from the solar generating station, the same waveforms, you know where it's coming from. Holy Toledo. So for someone that's building a new house and bought land, isn't yeah. there a way they can wire up their house that would be helpful? I mean, for solar? No, not for solar, just wiring up their house. Isn't there some type? Oh, well, I tell you, electro- electrosensitive people, what they're doing now is they have to go off grid. It makes them so sick. They try to use solar generating just DC. They don't use the inverters. They sometimes can get away with that, but it's tricky. It's really hard to live off the grid. And it, depending on how, if you're building your house according to code, you have to have ground rods. If you have ground rods, that means the stuff's running in through your ground rod into your wiring. And the other problem is if you have metal water pipes or sewer pipes, it's going to be running into your house through those. What you can do with those is put a plastic interspace, like two feet of plastic pipe in your water line. Even the code then for building is not appropriate for the kind of buildings that we need to be building. Well, no, the electrical code as written is not protecting, but the IEEE engineering outfit they recognize the electrical pollution problem and they write about it but it doesn't have the force of law behind it i mean the industry i mean these are smart people electrical engineers they they know about this now i'll tell you who really knows about it are people who have to use uh, precision electric motors this dirty electricity makes their motors burn out so many of them they go to their own generation they generate their own electricity and another huge problem with this dirty electricity is uh like with the wind farms in Germany, a lot of the heavy industry is moving out because uh, the, with the wind, when it blows, there's lots of electricity in the grid, and they have a hard time leveling it out for when it's not blowing. Like when it's Qualcomm, they have to have backup generation. So they're getting some discontinuities in their service. And like an aluminum plant loses power for a quarter of a second, it has to shut down. And so the aluminum industry is really up in arms about it. And a lot of heavy industries moving out of places that, that have heavy, heavy wind contribution to the grid. You said that the urban radio frequency levels have gone up exponentially. Say a little about that for us. Well, look at all the sources. In the old days, when I was a little kid, all, the only urban source you had was AM radio stations. Then FM came in, then pagers, and, and then... Uh, the big, big bugaboo are cell towers. They're, they're just, they're an anathema because every one of those things has got a huge switching power supply in it and it contaminates uh, the local grid like mad. And there's studies now from South America showing that if you live within 500 meters of one of those towers, your cancer rate's way up. In my book, I've got a picture on of a school where I measured the through the electricity in the classrooms, and it was directly related to how far they were from the base of the cell tower. And that was making kids sick, too, I'll tell you. Well, I'm trying to figure out how come you're still alive. Well, you know, I got a threatening letter yesterday from some guy who invented smart meters, and he's so mad at me and my book because, you know, it's going to cost him a bundle. And he ought to get sued because his, his smart meters are killing people. What needs to happen with the smart meters besides well, them not existing? They've got to build them so they, they don't transmit in air, so they don't have a switching power supply that is unfiltered, or they've got to go back to the old disk-type gizmos. What they could do is they could build them properly and use fiber optic cables to send 
information to the substation, to, to the utility. There's engineering ways to fix a lot of this stuff. It just costs money and, and the wherewithal. Like I wrote Al Gore about solar. You think I hear from him? I wrote, the, wrote this guy who, what's his name? He's got this Rocky Mountain Institute, Amory Lovins. He's oh. a big guru of yes, yes. clean energy. And his place is full of solar and wind. I'd love to go there and measure it, but never hear from him either. When you tell people about solar, they just can't believe you. I mean, and they like the fact that it's costing them less money if the sun's out. I want to talk about the La Quinta Middle School scenario. This is very, very instructive about what happens when politics gets in and overrides health and wellness. Share a little uh, about actually, it. Actually, that's two schools, the La Quinta School and there's Vista Del Monte. I'll, let's start with the La Quinta School. We, we, we're northerners. We live in Olympia, and I just bought a, a condo down in, in Indio, which is about three miles from La Quinta. <clears throat> I think the first week we were there, there's an article in the Sunday paper, which I don't read. My son was visiting, and he said, Dad, there's a cancer cluster at this school in La Quinta. Where's that? I said, it's right next door here. So I read the article, and holy mackerel, I, you know, having done epidemiology for 40 years, I knew that the teachers were right. They did have a cancer cluster. All it took was going to the... It d- described the cases by name, age, type of cancer, and the only thing it didn't say in the article was, uh, was how big the school was. I found that out in 20 seconds on the Internet and realized that the teachers were right. They had way too many cancers for the population size. <clears throat> so... Uh, so I, I, I called the reporter and uh, said, here's my phone number if the teachers are interested and have them call me. <clears throat> so, so they did. And, uh, and that st- started the study. And uh, well, the article in the paper uh, was about a visit by uh, an epidemiologist who works for the California Tumor Registry at, at the Desert Sierra Registry. His name is John Morgan. He'd, give, he'd given uh, uh, an hour's talk to the teachers who were concerned at the school, and it was recorded, thank God. And in it, 25 times or so, he told the teachers they had no problem, it was on their heads, blah, blah, blah. But he'd never talked to a teacher, never asked, never did any investigation, but he just knew that there was no problem. So uh, I, 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 I met with the teachers and uh, and. They said, uh, I said, who at school should I talk to? So I, I, I called and talked to a woman named Charlene Whitlinger, who was a deputy, whatever she was. And, and she said, oh, well, put it in writing. So I did. I wrote a nice letter, told what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. Never heard from her. And uh, so finally one day I got a call from, I kept calling every week, every week. And then, so finally I got a call. When I called one time, I her secretary said, hey, look, she's never going to answer you. So I thanked her kindly. And and that, that day I wrote her, the, the boss, Doris Wilson, was head of the head guru for, this, for that whole Desert Sierra, in other words, Desert Sands Unified School District. I looked up her salary. It was like 180 grand. I couldn't believe. But anyway, she she answered immediately, saying, no, we, we're just going to go with our expert, Dr. Morgan. and We're not going to do anything. So... I talk, told the teachers that it uh, looks like the school wasn't going to cooperate. They weren't, they weren't uh, surprised at all. So one of the teachers invited uh, me into the, to make some measurements at the school. 
So I called a, a guy I knew named Lloyd Morgan, no relation to John Morgan. Uh, he drove down from San Francisco, and luckily he had this meter that Stetzer had, had uh, Graham and Stetzer had an oscilloscope. So, so we got into the school uh, two nights in a row on Monday and Tuesday, and uh, in just a couple classrooms and found this really high levels of dirty electricity where the, the magnetic fields, which I thought were going to be the problem, they were normal all over the place. So here we had this new metric, uh, this new measure that was abnormal. So now they really wanted to do a study. So, uh, so I reported this to, the, to Doris Wilson, and I got a letter back from their attorney saying, uh, under the Homeland Security Act, uh, they, were, they warned me never to set foot in a place again. <laughs> I mean, they threatened me, you know, because they're afraid of lawsuits. So anyway, I, what I, I just was coming home then, I uh, would come back in the summertime. So I did this by telephone. I had the teachers gather up all the information they had on the cancer cases. And luckily, one of the teachers had saved a classroom assignment roster. That is, every fall, when the teacher showed up for class, they know what room they went to, you know, where they were going to be. So they had names and dates. and So it was perfect. We knew exactly what teacher was in what room. So we did a couple things. Uh, uh, we, I wanted to make measurements in the whole school, but since I couldn't go in, I had the teachers uh, put in a, a, Cal, a Cal-OSHA uh, complaint, a request, and which forced the health department uh, into making measurements. So Raymond Neutra, who worked for the health department, came down in June and made measurements in all the rooms with this with Stetzer's meter, and so we had those, that information, and we put the cancer information together with the teachers. Now, this this Morgan guy who told the teachers they didn't have a problem, he was a problem. He, uh, I, I had I had to confirm my cancer cases with their cancer registry. He said, well, three or four of these people weren't teaching at the school, but we had the classroom assignment rosters, so they were. <clears throat> and then he, uh, and then he used some some fictitious uh, cancer rates to calculate expecteds. We used the published rates and we got different results. But anyway, make a long story short, we published a paper on that in 08 showing a clear dose response. Uh, and, and basically, it's, 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 it's not just this school, it's all schools that have this problem. And uh, I wrote the California Teachers Association. They've done a number of studies over the years. They show the same thing, but they wouldn't cooperate and you know, they could pick out these other schools in the state. There's going to be other ones just like this one uh, that, that have the same problem, but they won't do anything with it. They, they don't want, want the boat rocked. That's the big disappointment to me is that these people like the union, the California Teachers Association, they should be really interested in the health of their teachers, but they obviously aren't. And the, and the schools, uh, you know, I, I've walked like the Lakinta School after I published this one, I got a call from a teacher at another school and said, hey, we got the same thing here. And that's the one with the cell tower on campus. I got a picture of it in my book. And not only were the teachers dropping like flies from cancer, uh, the, the kids were unteachable in a couple of the classrooms. And I showed that that if you filtered the classroom and got the dirt electricity level down, the, the ADHD, the hyperactivity disappeared. And the, the teacher was smart. She, I put the filters in five outlets in her room and didn't tell her what was going on or what was happening. And she reported back next week that the kids were perfectly...
come and collect it and she could teach them. But she was smart in that she pulled the filters in and out, plugged, plugged them in, pulled them out, and she could change their behavior like an hour. So <clears throat> that's an, an immediate response to uh, an environmental pollutant you can't see, touch, or feel. The thing that's important about that, and I wrote the ADHA journal, is that 7% of kids in this country take Ritalin for that condition. What percent? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. What percent? 7 or 70? 7% of Seven. kids in okay. this country take Ritalin. It's a drug that treats hyperactivity, ADHD. Ritalin increases a neurotransmitter called phenylethylamine. It's like dopamine, but it's, it's in that class. And that's what's happening in these kids. I'm positive that the dirty electricity knocks their hormone levels down of this, this, this neurotransmitter. When the filters come in and knock the dirty electricity down, the stuff recovers, and it recovers quickly. And you could, you know, or what happened in a half hour like that. And there's been studies now around cell towers. You get the same thing. There's a brand-new cell tower in Rimbach, Austria. They measured the neurotransmitters in the urine of people in the town uh, after the thing got put in. And they measured it up to two or three years after they put it in, and there's long-term changes in in the critical neurotransmitters like like adrenaline, noradrenaline, uh, dopamine, phenylethylamine. That's where I got the idea for uh, for for a library study I did later, which we don't have to talk about, but whatever. So the stuff's making us sick. It's been making us sick. The critical thing is that if if you know uh, the people say, well, you know, what's your control group? Well, my control group's the Amish. They're a Mennonite sect that for religious reasons re- re- reject electricity completely, the Old Order Amish especially. They migrated from Germany in the 1700s, and since they've been here, the life expectancy has been in the 70s. At the same time, in, in the turn of the century, after Edison started electrifying cities, people in cities were living in their, into their 40s. So they were losing you know, 25 years of life expectancy. And uh, the Amish have... About half the cancer rate we have, they got less than 40% of our diabetes rate, no ADHD in their kids, no childhood obesity in their kids, very little asthma in, in their kids, zero, zilch Alzheimer's, and, and uh, suicide rates are low too. So they're my poster children for what we could, what, what our health could be if, uh, if we, we, you know, shunned electricity like they do. I'm not saying we should, but Either we've got to clean up our electricity or, or pay the consequences that we've been paying for, you know, since 1892. What if when people build homes or they build structures that aren't coded for electricity because they're not going to be using electricity? Some structures won't have electricity available. That's right. What's wrong with that? Oh, well, that's fine. But if you've got water pipes and if you've got a ground rod, you've got electricity. Look, and I've been in houses, many houses. I shut off the electric service. I can still measure garbage in the house. You know, it's coming through the ground. It's coming from your neighbors. It's coming through the air, you know? So there's getting to be no place to hide. And I've, 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 on my website, I've got a, I've reported 60, hertz, 60 kilohertz signal I find everywhere. I've looked. I visited my son in Kona, and it was there. I mean, how could it get out in the middle of the ocean? And it's, it's in the ground, too. Now, you also said that many islands are full of dirty electricity. How is that possible? That's an interesting story. I just Talk about it, that. That's very I'll, interesting. Next month or two, I'll tell you that story. There's a, a group at Harvard, and they have a British a group that cooperates with them. They, what they did is they took all the, 
the medical data from 199 places, countries, okay, and they looked at the data they gathered was uh, fasting plasma glucose levels, diabetes prevalence, uh, body mass index, which is a measure of how fat you are, and they, they looked at cholesterol and high blood pressure, five things. And they have a beautiful website. Well, I went to the website, and son of a gun, if you look at diabetes and, and obesity, of the, top, of the 199 places in the top 10, the, the fattest and the most diabetic people are little islands in the Pacific or in the Atlantic. And I knew right away what it was. It's these places are off-grid, and the other places in the top 10 are off-grid too. Uh, off-grid which, wait, which, wait a minute, which one would think would be better? No, no, the grid electricity is cleaner than that that comes from diesel generators. And these places use diesel generators for the electricity. And the problem is if they have more load, they just put more generators online. And the, remember the generators, the motors have yes. brushes? Yes, Brushed motors make dirty electricity. Is that true for all islands? It's true for any place that uses a, a brush generator. Like you give you buy a portable generator for your house when your power goes out, that makes dirty electricity like mad. Just put an AM radio next to it and it'll tell you. Next time you fire up your vacuum cleaner, put an AM radio next to it. That's a motor. It's not a generator, but it's got brushes. And the minute you turn it on, you hear on your radio. And, and if you measure the dirty electricity in the house, not just where it's plugged in, the whole house is going to get dirty as long as you're running your vacuum cleaner. So while you're cleaning, <laughs> it's an oxymoron. You're cleaning, but you're making a disaster of your environment. Yeah, you're making, it's better to just have a dirty, filthy carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Got a clean carpet, but you make your air dirty with electricity, unfortunately. So how do you clear dirty electricity out of your house other than filtering it at the walls? Well, that, that's, that's about it. Well, the other thing you can do is if you recognize the devices that are causing it, you can stay away from them or don't use them. I have not found a phone that doesn't emit horrendous stuff yet. Have you found anything? I'm talking on one right now, like an old Panasonic. Sometimes you can get these on eBay, but unfortunately, you're the one of the major polluters in your house is the, the, the base station of a DECT phone, D-E-C-T, Digital Enhanced Cordless Telephones. Those things are horrible. I mean, they blast the whole house with RF and dirty electricity, both, and they make people terribly ill. I was using a headset connected to a wireless phone. Walking around, I had the worst headaches. I was so fatigued, I just stopped using it. You're smart. You know, you, you could get brain cancer from that, too. But no, the, the, I go into the big big box stores, and you can't buy a non-decked phone anymore. I got online. I, I finally found an old Panasonic that, uh, that's, that I'm holding my hand right now. Cordless phones are as bad as cell phones, but, but uh, I never, it's always on speakerphone. I never, ever put those phones against my head. If you go around the house with an AM radio, you can pick up almost all the real and occult sources of dirty electricity. But we don't have to do it with an AM radio. Let's say somebody wants to buy something. What do you buy to do it? Stetzer sells a microsearch meter. You plug it into an outlet, and it gives you a digital readout of the dirty electricity level. You'd like it to be 50 or below. But if you want to measure other devices, what kind of a measurement device well, do we okay, need? Well, if you've got a radio frequency emitter like... Uh, microwave or a uh, decked phone base. They put out the dirt electricity too, but I use the HF35C from Gigahertz Solution. That's one of them. But I, I say AM radio, it costs 15 bucks. 
the gigahertz gizmo costs four hundred bucks. My oscilloscope costs five grand. It just doesn't tell you how high it is, though. It tells you that it's there. There, yeah, but the HF thirty five C tells you not only how high it is, but it's directional. It tells you where it's coming from. Right. Not hunting for a, a clandestine uh, cell cell tower. I can, you know, if it's in a steeple or it's hidden. Right, which they're hiding them more and more. I have a question about people going to bed at night, putting their head against the back end of their bed, but up against the wall. What do you think about that? Well, it depends on what's on the other side of the wall. I mean, if it's a, if there's a smart meter out there or a power line, uh, you know, that's the other thing you can do is measure your sleeping space. Like in my house, when I first learned about this, uh, I just turned my bed to the other end of the room because uh, the, the way it was, the head was near the... On, on the outside, on the wall next to my bed was the the, the main power panel from my house, and there were strong magnetic fields there. So I just moved the bed 10 feet the other side, so I'm, my head's now sleeping better. Very interesting. I want to talk to you about the revelation about radial tire fields. That was a shock in your book. Well, talk about yeah, that. When I first bought a gas meter, a magnetic field meter, I just made the mistake of turning it onto my car one day, and I was, where's this coming from? And it took me about 20 minutes to figure out it was coming from the tires. Well, you know, the tires have got about three miles of fine steel wire for the steel belts, and they're magnetic. All you got to do, just take a regular compass and go out and put it near your tire and move it around on the tire tread, and the needle goes all over the place because... Uh, got these little magnetic domains on the tire and uh when you spin a magnet that's how you make electricity and uh that's how you make fields i noticed that the gas meter in the car when i stopped read nothing when i started up i got it again it was near the closer i got to the tire the higher they were higher they were this is trivial compared to what you're getting in your house all, all day and, and it's trivial compared to what you're getting in these new hybrid and electric cars Boy, I wouldn't buy one of those unless I measured it carefully and found out what was going on, because most of those I've looked at have got really high passenger compartment fields. See how interesting it is? The devil's always in the details, isn't it? Exactly. It's always in the details. They could sell the mass public on smart this and smart that and electrical this and microwave that, and it's ridiculous. And the the other thing people got to worry about is... uh, most of the new appliances uh, have got these switching power supplies in them. Like we had an air conditioner that was getting sick, and the company over-offered me a new air conditioner. And I looked at it, son of a gun, it's got a variable speed motor in it. Anytime you see variable speed, you're talking dirty electricity because they vary the speed with the switching power supply. So new air conditioners have them, almost all have them. New furnace fans have them. And when you have them, any time the furnace fan or the air conditioner on, you're getting the whole house zapped. The new appliances are, are mandated to have a transmitter in them that transmits to the smart meter, whether you have it or not. So my friend Stetzer bought a Sears freezer, chest freezer. Every time he opened it up, he got sick. So he got his equipment out and measured that it was had a transmitter in it, that when you opened the lid, it was telling the smart meter that you were looking in your freezer. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know what? He told me that on the show. And you know what else he told me? He what? told me that first he returned it, then he got another one. It was doing the same thing. But, you know, if you take out the transmitter, they void the warranty. That's right. Is that devious or what? Most of these you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't do it. 
I was in the kitchen last summer, and I had my HF-35C out, and it pointed first at the dishwasher, then at the refrigerator, then at the stove. Oh, my God. And there was no way to shut it off. So I told them, look, you've got a problem here. <laughs> Just don't use your kitchen or else uh, <laughs> one way you can shut it off. I, I don't know. I'm ready to go outside and cook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that's nowhere to go, cold. Samuel. There's nowhere to go. I know. It's getting worse and worse. Now, solar and wind and... Oh, God, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm getting depressed. <laughs> I'm getting depressed, too. So let's talk about tanning beds and put everybody over the edge. This is really going to upset the people that use tanning beds. My sister's one of them. I won't say which one. But on behalf of the sister that has used tanning beds from time to time in her life, go ahead and tell her. Didn't well, tell everybody the else. sad story is I lost my the love of my life due to a tanning bed. She was in the habit of going, and she got a little bit of melanoma on her leg, and it killed her. She was dead in the ear. And... Uh, Tanning beds, uh, they put out a ton of dirty electricity because you're laying right up against those fluorescent tubes, and they, they put out ultraviolet to tan you, but you just put an AM radio near a tanning bed, it just howls. You, you measure it, the dirty electricity levels are horrendous. And the Scandinavians have done lots of studies to show melanoma rates go up like mad in people who use tanning beds. But so, not necessarily from getting a tan, though. No, no, it's from the electrical exposure. Very interesting. You know, look, hey, look at the t- the tan business. Like this guy Morgan down in California says, well, they get melanoma rates are high here because the sun's out. Well, if that's the case, how come sailors and outdoor workers have melanoma rates a third of what office workers have? Office workers have very high melanoma rates, and uh, I, there's a bunch of stories that go along with that. There's, uh, well, whatever. No, share a story. Share a story. The story is that the melanoma clusters I've looked at are are office clusters. There's uh, three guys. uh, Well, this is a male breast cancer cluster, which is, again, a dirty electricity deal. Three guys in the same office got male breast cancer, which is rare as hen's teeth. And they sat five feet from a switchgear room that was putting dirty electricity and strong fields into their environment. So there is a cluster that's certainly due to that. There's another male breast cancer cluster at Camp Lejeune like 15 or 20 cases, and that's a dirty electricity cluster too, or a transmitter cluster, and and yet they say it's due to dirty drinking water, so they've got, I wrote the Marines who were complaining about this at their website, I wrote their attorneys, I wrote the VA, I wrote the, the, the Congress people who were, they passed a bill to give these guys money and to get ASTDR to clean up their water supply, when it's not the water supply. I mean, it's, Male breast cancer is an ep- epidemic, and, and like firemen, and firemen have it uh, because you know, they they carry all these wired. They're wired for sound, you know, when they go into fires. And a lot of firehouses have transmitters. In the old days, they used to transmit. So they have RF sources in the firehouse, and they wear these things on their belt. They're on call. But anyway, so. What do you think about the headsets for people driving in cars where they keep these little microwave units in their ear to take calls? You want to keep your body as far away from any RF emitter as you can. And uh, I see these people with these gizmos stuck in their ear. Uh, and I, it just makes me cringe. Like a lot of these fast food places and, and the stores, they got the clerks running around with those things stuck in their heads. Don't like it. But, you know, people don't want to give up their toys. That's the other thing that bothers me. they got these wonderful smartphones that are zapping them. How about laptops? You put a laptop on your lap. If you're a guy, your sperm counts go down, and 
if you're a woman, you're irradiating your ova. And I also find out that people who use these devices that that put current in their body, uh, they get Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a nasty, fatal disease. There's something called mylar space blankets that you can put under the drywall that's supposed to be cost-effective to counteract RF. Have you heard of that? No, no, I, no. But if you have a, a reflective, like a like aluminum foil grounded or metal grounded, makes a Faraday cage which shields you from RF. Like when you drive across a bridge with the AM radio on you, you lose the signal. That proves that the metal structure is protecting you. Underground tunnels, you don't get the RF signal there either. If it's got a metal component and you can ground it, like aluminum foil, tin foil hatch, you know the old joke. It's no no joke. I mean. Less EMF sells a bed cover, which has got metal wiring in it, and you ground that. It's like a mosquito net over your bed, and that'll protect you. But not if you're laying on a, one of these earthing blankets. That's really a joke. <laughs> I want to talk to you about something that Dr. Magna Havis said to us on one of the segments. She said, if you do have a smartphone and you turn the smartphone on airplane mode, it stops pulsing back and forth from the microwave station. Are you aware of that? No, I'm not. I didn't know you. I, I don't use a phone. <laughs> you mean the cell phone? Right. It's always off when it's on my body. I just don't know about airplane mode or whatever else. Yeah, because it can still... Sure e- she's right. Even though you turn it off, she said that it still pulses. It still checks in with the microwave stations. So the Even only... If it's off. Uh, Even if it's off, she said. So that's why you want to put it in airplane mode. Well, you know, I could check that in two seconds. I've I've got it off. No, I'm saying that the station checks in with the unit is what I'm saying. When it's off, I don't believe that happens if it doesn't if it doesn't Well, I'm happen. talking about a smartphone. I don't know if you have a oh, smartphone. Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. that's a different animal. Yeah. She told you that it's true. She's smart. Yeah, she's very smart. She's, there's only four of us in the whole world doing this. She's one of them. Mark, me, and Dave, and Marty Graham, there's one guy calling up in Canada has done some of this, but Magda and Dave Colling have got a wonderful paper on wind turbines and uh, their problems, but I'm going to have to write a paper on the solar. Nobody wants to hear about that. I think you really need to say it. Now, what does this mean when people go in their pools and they go swimming? The ground is obviously sitting with dirty energy in it. What does that mean? If it's really high, a lot of people get shocks in the pool, but ordinarily, I mean, I, I don't know that it's any worse being well, I guess if you're in, in the pool and it's, uh, well, you, for the time you're in the pool, you're get, probably getting a high, high dose uh, of whatever's in the ground. But that's why I'm worried about the amphibians. And the bees are collapsing, too. I think that's an RF problem, too. It's definitely an RF and I think an infiltration of Monsanto into the food supply. The pesticides. Yes, and pesticides. I think it's a mix. But for right now, What we can do in our homes, in our office environments, is change the lighting. Now, we interviewed a gentleman named Dave who owns a company called the Light Energy Company. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. They sell full-spectrum lighting, which is different than the compact fluorescence. I think it's different than that. But it puts out a totally different frequency. So I think that's something to examine. Or LED, but I don't know about the LED market for lighting. Do you? Some of the LEDs are okay, some aren't okay, but Magda knows more about this. She's checked a, a lot of the, the different CFLs and LEDs. And, uh, but, but, you know, you can still get incandescent bulbs. Uh, the IREC tell people to 
get using contestants until something comes down the pike that's reasonable and, and clean. Some of the LEDs are clean, some aren't. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's funny how sometimes you don't take action until people have died. I remember visiting my mother in an Alzheimer's facility in Studio City and my cousins, Carol and Dan, were there. And I had this little tape recorder with me. My dad had passed on five years before. And I started to interview my cousins, Carol and Dan, about my parents because they were very close to them and they knew them for many years even before they were married. I want you to know that I got the funniest, most adorable stories about my mom and dad that I would have never heard otherwise. I kid you not. I found out that my dad, Buddy Greenhouse, used to invite people to massive parties, bring everybody together, and then they'd all get to the party and they go, where's Buddy? And he was not there. In other words, he would just put the whole thing together, get everybody to come, and sometimes he would not show up. Now, you may not think that's funny. You may think that's rude and all that, but I thought that was hysterical when I first heard about it. It's just not something that I would think that my dad was capable of, but apparently he was. Many of you listening to the show are going to wait until your parents and your sisters and brothers and cousins pass on before you ever capture the wonderful stories and legacy of your family. I'm making a very special service available to those of you that would like me to interview your family and capture the wonderful stories that are the gift of your family legacy. It's a really special service. It's very confidential and private and can be done in either audio or video. Don't miss the occasion to capture the living legacy of your family and the great treasures that are sitting there. I'm a miner. I know how to get to those treasures. Call me at its rainmaking time at 626-398-8652. Thank you. And back to the show. Talk a little bit about the statistics that you found. Statistics are chilling. I mean... I want you to share them. Share some. Well, one of the studies that really got me... To write the book was, uh, I looked at 1940 and 1930 U.S. deaths. Then half the country had electricity and half didn't. If you look at the places that had it, they had twice the mortality rate. We're talking millions of deaths, more the the places that had the electricity were sicker and, and dying more often at younger ages and at higher rates, and, which is just, and there's no, and like with the childhood leukemia, you still don't see that the major leukemia of childhood in places in the world that don't have electricity. So it's completely related to the distribution of the spread of the grid. And uh, as the grid spread in this country from urban to rural areas, so did the, the leukemia incidence in, 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 in children spread. I mean, when I saw that, I did the study with the other causes of death. So exactly the same thing. And I expected to see it for leukemia and some cancers, but I was floored when I saw it for everything, not just the, the cancers and leukemia, but uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, the major killers, and, and the so-called diseases of civilization, including suicide. Now, there's a the suicide stuff. There's the brush generator story uh, again. And the, our troops kill themselves. Afg- Afghanistan and Iraq, they've got epidemic suicide, and it's tricky in that only 10% of the guys who kill themselves have had, had combat, so it's not a combat stress. The Air Force and the Navy, you don't see it with them. What's the difference? In Afghanistan and Iraq, they spend $20 billion a year to air condition them, okay, to keep them cool because it's 120 
in the, in the summer. They what do they use for air conditioning? They truck in their barge in these brushed generators, and they're all dirty to make the electricity. And they don't know how to wire them up because the electrocution rates are higher too. And that's what, they're just like the islands, you know. Uh, so suicide is one of the diseases that's more common in the. And it, with this dirty electricity exposure, and it's it's an old story. They they took people who committed suicide in UK and went to their house, front door of their houses and measured their houses, and they had higher magnetic fields, which I think is a surrogate for the dirty electricity. And and uh, in, in my data, if you looked at rural places in the uh, rural states in this country, the higher the residential elect, uh, electrification percent, the higher the suicide rate. Because in, in the rural areas, you had a variation. Like the northern states, the rural areas had higher electrification houses with electricity on the grid than, say, Mississippi or those those states. And so here, so suicide is part of the depression business, and I think it all goes back to what I call electric or electropathic stress. I think the way this stuff works is it causes a generalized stress reaction. Your body doesn't know what to make of this stuff that's beaming into it and and uh your body's an electrochemical soup you know everything works electrically your brain your heart your guts your muscles everything and so this ex exogenous high frequency stuff which is completely unnatural in terms of our evolutionary you no know, all we're evolved with was the earth's field from the from the core that makes a magnet go north and south cosmic rays and lightning and frictional electricity, that's it. There's no AC, as we know it, no alternating current like we've we've distributed over the whole planet. And so I think what happens is it causes a, a stress reaction. Your body changes its neurotransmitter to, to react to the stress stress, and, and, and chronic dysregulation of that causes immune system problems and other things. But I got another paper coming out shortly that is really interesting in that They've noticed for years that any time there's a depression, an economic depression, well, in the 1800s, if had a depression, the death rate went up and uh, life expectancy went down, okay? <clears throat> After electrification, you got just a reverse. you got a paradoxical improvement of health when you have an economic recession. So I, I looked at this seven times in U.S. history from uh, when electricity started uh, where the amount of electricity generated, industrial electric generation went down. It's been steadily upwards for, you know, ever since Edison. Seven times you had a reversal, like in the Great Depression, it went down for a few years. We got healthier, but the health, the healthier, I mean, death rate went down, life expectancy went up. And the same thing happened in Europe when the Nazis invaded and uh, the wheels of industry stopped turning. The electricity generation went down. They got healthier. People in Cuba, when the Russians pulled out and they had a big recession, the, they, they got healthier too. It's not the caloric restriction, which is what all the experts thought it was due to the people who aren't eating, and therefore they're not getting the heart problems. But no, it's electricity. I'm positive. And it happens within a year. There's no latency. In other words... Uh, if you look at the Great Depression, 1932, when I was born, uh, it happened right then. The, that very year, the death rate went down, life expectancy went up for the next two years. And just in places that had electricity, the rural areas weren't affected at all. So that just shows you how powerful this is and how quickly it works. If you have a home 
Is it better to live on the first or second floor of that home? <laughs> I don't know, but I tell you, in a high-rise building, it's better to be on a higher floor because all the electrical stuff is in the basement. And first floor, people get it. I had a theory about bankers, you know, in this country, banks were always first floor device, first floor before in the high-rise buildings before they started making suburban banks in the malls. Uh, and the bankers had a really high, high mortality rate. And uh, I always thought it was due to that, but I never did write that up. And if and a couple of buildings I've, where there've been cancer clusters, they were first floor clusters right over the electrical supply system in the basement. You know, they're putting in microwave stations so fast. You know, you can go online and put in your address and look at where the stations are around you. It's really scary. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds. They're all lethal. They're all killing people. So the question is, when you're thinking of moving, since they're all over the place, you're not only now considering microwave direct input, you're looking at substations, the utility outlets, you're looking at all these different factors now, not just the geographical area that you're moving into, yeah. right? Yeah, well, the Europeans have developed a refuge system for people who are really sensitive and there's one place in this country where it's semi-safe, and that's uh, West Bank, I think it's in West Virginia. It's, it's because they got the big radio antennas there, and the feds, by law, don't, in that, that area won't let you have a transmitter because it has screwed the uh, radio reception from space, see? So Green Bank, West Virginia, has got a colony of electrosensitives. There's a bunch of people down in Snowflake, Arizona, out in the boonies, but they're going to have to pull out soon because they're being surrounded by cell towers. There's really nowhere to run and hide, is there? Rural is better than urban. If you're electrosensitive, I don't know how you can make it in an urban area. I drive around any city like Palm Springs or Seattle with the HF-35C on the, on the seat of my car, and it howls. Every two seconds, it's getting a big microwave burst. The other thing that is scary is the, well, the unhealthiest places I've been in, in terms of this electric field, are high-rise office buildings. They've, they've got these antennas up on the top, uh, so the upper floors have, are getting RF and dirt electricity from them. They've all got computers at every desk. They've all, all got compact fluorescent lights from top to bottom. And cell phones, smartphones. All, uh, all the office buildings I've been in recently uh, and law offices on top floors giving depositions are miserable. They're just full of, it, full of this stuff. Nobody wants to hear it. What's next for you? I don't know. I'm thinking of quitting. <laughs> no, no. It's so doom and gloom. To lay this all out is really difficult because we're surrounded by this. I, I know. People don't read books. I wrote the book to try to alert people. I've got a. This is a great book, and it's thin, and it's not complicated to read. You should all pick up his book, Dirty Electricity, Electrification and the Diseases of Civilization, the second edition. And I got a website too that's sammilham.com and it's got files of all my papers. They're there. You can just read them. You don't have to get them from the library and uh, the papers that are pertaining to this. And the latest poop is on there too. Any stuff I find that's new, I put on there right away. I got a filmmaker. We're going to try to make a documentary that shows the solar and the school problem and the general problem with mortality. There's a couple of stories in the book that are, I think, really illustrative. I had this guy at the Vista Del Monte Elementary School who was severe diabetic. He was taking insulin. He could never control his blood sugars. He was going all over the place. He actually wound up with the amputations. 
you know, from the infected digits and whatever. The day he retired from that school, he got better. His diabetes disappeared completely. No more insulin, no more high blood sugar, no more amputations. The one thing that was different was the school was just filthy with this dirty electricity. And anytime a, a diabetic gets in these environments, their blood sugar goes up and they and their diabetes is infinitely worse. Childhood asthma, I'm almost certain, is is, is due to this. Uh, the Amish kids don't get it. They, they work in these miserable, dusty barns, and they just don't have it. They don't have ADHD. They're not obese. I mean, all those epidemics of childhood that are happening right now, diabetes is rampant in kids, as is, look at how fat they are. I think it's 90% of it's due to this EMS stuff, and uh, I can't get the pediatricians or anybody else to pay any attention to it or their parents, or Dr. Oz, or any of the major media in this country. Like it's, it's NBC, you know, is owned by GE. You know, they're not going <laughs> to... Yeah, that's, that ends that. And of course, GE is involved in the carbon, I think, cap-and-trade system, and uh, it's very complicated. It's very yeah, well, complicated and convoluted. They're a whole lot healthier. If the FCC was doing what they should do... <laughs> the, Obama's going to appoint the chief lobbyist for the cell phone industry to head FCC. That's the end of it for us, you know. And those people, all they understand is money, and, and the thing is so corrupt. There's so much cell phone money sloshing around in the industry that they buy what they want and they do what they want. Same with fracking now with this natural gas stuff. This stuff on the web today showing that people who've complained that their water got contaminated are just getting bought off. With the, they had to keep it quiet. They just give them big bucks. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to, learning from, and listening to Dr. Samuel Milham, the author of Dirty Electricity, Electrification, and the Diseases of Civilization. Yes, it is a very depressing, disturbing phenomenon that's going on, not only in the United States, but around the world. But there are things that you can do about it. You can buy these Stetzer filters, you can buy the meters, and you can make sure you test your devices do the best that you can to prevent RF dirty energy from making you sick. Samuel Milham, I don't want you to quit what you're doing. We need you out there. We really need you. And thank you. I, and I want to thank you for joining us at It's Rainmaking Time. I hope you'll come back and I'll have you all on together for a special, maybe over the summer. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> thank you so much.